I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Yeah. How are you? My brain is mud, but I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. Welcome back. Yes. Fresh you... off the plane, really, kind and of. Fre- <laughs> fresh out of my body and onto your plate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Chicken lady. Kids in the hall. So we'll make a video of your best and worst from Venice. Uh But is there anything you'd like to say before we move on? Boy, I'm tired of being on boats. Oh, my God. Because you have where you're staying is not on the little island where the film festival is. Yeah, I don't stay on the Lido. I stay on the mainland. and I'm tired of boats. Uh, Tired of boats, tired of people, tired of tourists. No. Tired of lines. Tired. That's the only place in the world I've ever been where the line to get in the men's restroom is exponentially worse. Why? Because there are more men? I think there are probably more men in the press or or who have press passes. And And IBS. And, well, no. No, it's... uh, the, the, The facilities, strangely, at these magnificent theaters where these world premieres happen that don't seem to be equipped, you know, thousand seat theaters don't seem to be equipped to hold more than like three people trying to pee at one time. The theaters are nice. Yeah. Oh, I guess I haven't looked at pictures of them. Well, all that red carpet stuff from the film festival. Like I see, I see things in there that the grant on the, in the grand. Hmm. Well, we're glad to have you back. The cat just walked in. Uh huh. Do you want to grab her? Oh, there we go. Snatch this wretched animal up. You know, Reggie. Do you know anything about Danny Masterson? I. Uh, well, other than that, I, I, I didn't like the '70s show. That '70s show before I knew he was a rapist, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw that he was sentenced to what thirty years, uh, and blew blew his wife a kiss. Oh, <laughs> Bijou! Did she catch it and put it in her pocket? Because yeah. that would have been fierce. Um, I don't know anything about him. I didn't watch the '70s show. I I recognize his face when I look him up. I didn't know he was a Scientologist. I didn't know he was in trouble or on trial. I was trying to read about the trial, and I didn't quite understand the specific like the specifics but um because there was like a mistrial yeah it's been, go- and, it's been going on for a while and yeah and these the the these alleg are you know the the crimes he was charged with occurred like over 20 years ago so i was actually kind of interested in how that worked um like what kind of evidence was there to convict him but yeah he got 30 years to life uh so that's that. Yeah, bye. <laughs> Moving on to restaurants. We <sighs> went, my mom and I went to a place called Tu Madre. They're a chain. And mm-hmm. we went to the one in Los Feliz. And we got there. So we were originally going to go to that one restaurant in Los Feliz, like the Alcove, the place we've been a yeah, few times. Yeah, we like. Mm-hmm. But it was packed. And then I thought, well, let's go to the restaurant home. But they were even more busy. And I should have known. Was this on the weekend? It was on Labor Day. Oh, well, yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. I should have known that 
the restaurant in between two busy restaurants not being busy should have been a sign. Uh-huh. But I'm like, oh, this one's not busy. Let's go. And so the food was actually tasty, but the service was terrible. And I did something I haven't done before, but so we sat there for like 15 minutes waiting for someone to greet us. Uh huh. And then this little girl walks up and says, well, did you order yet? No. Mm-hmm. Well, you can just scan the QR code. And I'm like, okay. So we've sat here for 15 minutes without menus. And now you want me to scan this Q- Like, can you just take my order or give me a menu <laughs> at this point? But whatever. So we order and the total was a hundred dollars. Damn. Before the tip. So what'd y'all get for a hundred dollars? Well, we were like, let's get, we got uh, two flights. Oh, it was your drunk dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it was actually lo- like a early lunch. It was your drunch. It was my drunch. <laughs> it was an early drunch, but they, you know, you have to tip on the thing. Do you? Well, so this is the first time I've done this. I put zero, and in the and in the comments, I wrote, "I'll tip when I receive my service." Ooh, that actually is not the first time you've not left a tip. It's not the first time I've left a tip, but it's oh. the first time I've not left a tip, like like how they make you order beforehand. How am I supposed to tip on service I haven't received? Oh, yet? sure, yeah. Well, that's that's the norm now. But normally I do because it's like awkward to not, and that's the norm. But this time around, because the service was already horrible. Mm-hmm. I thought, let me wait till I give this $20. <laughs> the service was horrible. Mm-hmm. And then, so the food was good. The, we we were a little tipsy off those flights. We ordered, <laughs> like, like the food we ate was good. We ordered some red velvet churros, and they came with, like, this cream cheese dip that was really good. But we ordered, and then we waited for, like, 15 minutes before our drinks came out. Mm-hmm. So at that time, another couple had sat next to us. And I noticed them because the woman, it was a man and a woman. The woman was beautiful. So I, I like she caught my attention and I, I knew when they sat down. So we get our drinks 15 minutes after we order them. And that's when the couple had sat down. So they, you know, so 15 minutes in, we get our drinks. They're still sitting there. No one has approached them. They're looking antsy. Then it takes another 15 minutes to get our food. So now we've been there for 45 minutes and we've Mm -hmm. just received our food. The couple next to us has been there for 30 minutes. And when the gentleman brings out our food, they snatch him like, hey, is someone going to take our order? And he says, will you do it on the app or on the QR code? So then we take our time because, you know, my mom eats slowly and she drinks slowly, but we had to finish those eight drinks. So we were there like an additional hour mm-hmm. and do you know when we got up to leave those people had not received their food yet so that means that they sat there for an hour and a half and all they had were chips and salsa at the table damn keeping in mind that my mom had asked for three things mm-hmm. and they never brought them oh they she asked for more chips she asked for um like napkins mm-hmm. and then water and they never wow and then i asked for a to-go box and they didn't give it to me <laughs> so i had to actually take the wrapping that was on the churros to wrap my leftover burrito in and just carry it in my hand because i couldn't wait any longer 
but yeah, then I didn't give a tip because they were arguing, like the staff was arguing with people waiting in line to be seated, saying they were like busy and it, it was just a really weird. <laughs> so guess who's never going there again? Well, it, it's a shame because I actually would go because I did like my food, but yeah. Well, I mean, anyway, c'est la vie. That was a long story. Moving on to movies we watch for fun. You watched Gattaca? Yeah, well, because uh, the only movies I had time to watch for fun were on the flight home from Munich. That's uh, the 1997 film. Yeah, uh, by Alex. Andrew Nicole. Oh, sorry, mm -hmm. Andrew Nicole. Yeah, his first big film. You saw his film In Time with Olivia Wilde and Amanda Seyfried and Justin Timberlake, I remember. Oh, yeah. Um, but I remember very well renting this on VHS in 1997 with uh, my friend from high school and watching it at his parents' house. Uh, I think this is where Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke met. You oh, know, they're married? They were. Oh, they Don't were. Don't you remember that scandal he cheated on her with the babysitter? Hell no. Or was that Jude Law? He did something funny. Or no, that would, well, if that's Jude Law, it's also um, Gwen Stefani's ex, Gavin Rossdale. Yeah, also did. They were all doing and that. And didn't Ben Affleck do that? Yeah. I mean, all, these, you can't trust these men out here. I know that's right. Anyway, Gattaca. Gattaca. Uh, it, it, it was interesting. It was fun to rewatch. I like the look of the film. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think I remember in the 90s feeling like Ethan Hawke looked like a little rat. But looking back, he, he was handsome. Yeah, he still is. I, I think he's aged well, actually. He's rodent-ish, but that's okay. Yeah, I think I think age served. You know what? I think I didn't like it in the late 90s because I didn't remember Mark McGrath. Yes, what was, from uh, what was that third eye? No. fucking band. Uh, uh, Sugar Ray or Sugar, something. Sugar Ray Leonard. Every morning <laughs> when I... I I just didn't like that song. Because Mark McGrath um, hosted like a show for a long time, didn't mm -hmm. he? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Ethan Hawke reminded me of Mark McGrath back then. Mm -hmm. Okay, like everyone has asked us to review Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. People keep asking, why didn't we review it? Well, this is the 2018 film. This is the first one. Oh. The one that was released this year is Across the Multiverse. Oh, okay. Let me shut up. Anyway, did you like this movie? Okay, so I had high expectations based on the raves everybody talks about. It was just okay. It was a little too uh, for that fan base, I think. Um, I, this, despite some interesting voice work uh, with Shamik Moore and Mahershala Ali and Lily Tomlin and Nicolas Cage, and uh, I, I, I think I'm already just t I'm tired of the multiverse. I'm tired of it. Tired of it. I, it's fine. It was okay. I, I think that there's some inventive, uh, interesting things in the animation, the story. I, I can give a I don't need to see any more iterations of Peter Parker. Thank you. Well, you heard it here. But yeah, it, I mean, I will watch the new one that came out this year. It's fine. I don't know. It didn't. Maybe I just wasn't in the mood, but it was not. Uh, I, I think I'm just tired of these kinds of stories. The kitty. Mama. So is the cat. Yeah, she's tired. <laughs> Speaking to the microphone, girl. Tired. Shout out to Kelly Price. <laughs> anyway, you finally watched The Little Mermaid, the 2022 Yeah, version. this is a perfect airplane film. Uh, what did you think of The Little Mermaid? Uh, Halle Bailey is beautiful, and the singing voice is on point. However, this felt... 
I, I, I'm, I think there are a couple songs that aren't in the original cartoon, the animated film, um, that were just dull. Like, I don't remember Prince Eric getting a song. I didn't need that. He was, he could have been, the, the, their theme song should have been uh, that Robin Royksop song, uh, I'm in love with a robot. Because Eric was boring as hell, no yeah. chemistry. The, the story, it feels clearly like a carbon copy of the animated film. I, I don't, if you're going to do this, like make, make something pop. I don't know. And it can't just be Aquafina as the, uh, what, what oh, that, I forgot about her as the, uh, the fish or whatever. No, no, the crab. She, no, she's the, the bird. bird. She's the dumb bird. <laughs> but I mean, Ursula, you know, you can see Melissa McCarthy trying to imitate the voice. I think she looks real whack. I don't know. I mean, I think most people thought that, like, why didn't she, I mean, she, her makeup looks very like someone went to Party City and bought a palette and did the makeup 10 and minutes before they left to the party. She like, looks like she's working at a Regis hairstyles in the mall somewhere. Oh, God. That's what she's giving. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Regis. When I lived in Alabama, the one friend I had I met uh, at Regis. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my mom used to bring me to uh, the mall to get my hair cut and we had a lady... I cut my hair that looked kind of like that. Lastly, for some reason, I decided to rewatch The Human Centipede 3. I don't know why. I don't know why either. I, I think in my mind, I thought, oh, it, it can't be that bad as I remember. <laughs> but it really it's is. It's probably worse. Yeah. It's worse than I remember. <laughs> the premise is ridiculous, and they're, they're referencing the first two films in this film. Of course, yeah. Because it's that. about a, a a prison that's like having financial problems and the warden and his assistant, the assistant saying like, you know, we can do something like, the, like, like we can make a movie like the Human Centipede movies and make a bunch of money. Oh, yeah. It, it, oh, my God. But the main guy, I thought, um, the, the warden, the German guy, he is, he, like, I, I realized halfway through who he reminds me of. He reminds me of an unfunny German John Witherspoon. Because he's shouting everything. Mm -hmm. And even at one point, he goes, bang, 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 just like John Witherspoon. Uh -huh. I feel like he's almost doing, I would be very, I should probably research this, but I wonder if like that was the inspiration for his character. Is it maybe? worth the time to research? Is it no. worth it? <laughs> no. I mean, and then it's it's so like over the top, like trying to be extreme. That yes. It's just. And what's that filmmaker's name? Tom Six? I think the, he's in the film he's in a very ill-fitting linen suit. Um, Dutch, I think. You know, he did a film after he wrapped his trilogy uh, that was on John Waters' best of list. Was it last year? And I, I believe it will be remain an unreleased film. I don't know what film festival he saw it at, but apparently it's some equally strange, vulgar film featuring lesbians masturbating. That's all I remember reading oh. about it. But <laughs> Yeah, I can recommend... Um... The, like any of those films, really. No. I remember when, I think we were just fresh in LA when the second one came out, going to the a midnight screening at the New Art. Yeah. I don't remember. We brought a friend. We brought Ryan. At the New Art? Mm hmm Oh, God. I don't remember watching that movie. Well, we did. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, let's take a break. 
The secret movie today is my choice, or I made it my choice, I guess. It, it should have been mine. But oh, it should have been? It's fine. Okay, well, here we are. I chose the 1993 made-for-television psychological thriller Stalking Laura, also known as I Can Make You Love Me. Uh, it's based on a true story, the Sunnyvale ESL shooting, which occurred in 1988. It was a mass shooting. Uh, this guy obsessed with this woman showed up at her job, which he used to work at, but was fired because he was harassing her. He shows up and shoots and kills seven people and injures four more. But he wasn't fired for harassing her. Well, technically he wasn't because they didn't want to deal with it. But that, well, he was fired because the way the film depicts it, he threatened the HR lady. But anyway, that guy ended up getting um, a life sentence. So he's currently on death row. And the woman uh, was injured, but she's she lived. Uh, just overall, what did you think of this movie? Um, you know, I think at a time it it would have felt like something, like in the, you know, I'm old enough to remember the early '90s, kind of sensational in a way that was also felt like there was some distance. And now this feels very prescient and uh, standard. <laughs> Like this feels like uh, it, it, it's funny watching this in retrospect, being like, why aren't these people fleeing? And this was before uh, we had uh, like active shooter, active training shooter drills. And, yeah. Uh, it, it's just weird to think that we were so blind to this writing on the wall that that was just waiting to happen the way it did. It's a, a tragic event the film you know oftentimes we watch like 90s made for tv movies and they're kind of fun because they're over the top and and they also deal with tragic things like the casey anthony mm -hmm. uh, murder or you know there have been several movies where they were kind of fun in a morbid way this one is not that um no i think it it takes itself seriously and the the two leads are good um, richard thomas really does do a good job of seeming like a creep Oh yeah, he's cute. He 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 looks dehydrated. I feel like I can smell what he <laughs> smells like. And Brooke Shields is really doing a lot, but yeah, the story is that Brooke Shields plays Laura Black, and she's a recent graduate from UC Davis, and she's uh, she got a job at this uh, company called KEI mm -hmm. in Silicon Valley. So she shows up and like the first day she meets uh, one of the other like software engineers named uh, Rich Farley. She doesn't even get to make it to lunch before. <laughs> oh, things escalate so quickly. Rich Farley is played by Richard Thomas. Uh, they go to lunch and before they can even get back to work, he's trying to take her on a date to some tow truck uh tractor racing whatever oh yeah and so then he gets upset when she doesn't want to go and then he shows up early to work and breaks into her office to give her blueberry loaf and he's the le like it's comical how aggressive he is he will not take no for an answer yes and but but also uh this was before 
uh, as the end of the film tells us that there were anti-stalking laws. California was the first state to uh, enact those because of this case. So, right. But it, so, yeah, it's funny to think like it seems so over the top, but people were really allowed to get away with a lot. And he's being very upfront with her. Like, if you call the police, this won't end well for you. Mm -hmm. If you tell your manager, this is going to be a problem for you. Who knows what I'll do? Everything culminates at, at first with Laura demanding HR do something. We need to talk about HR, but they have a meeting with him because HR agrees. Like, listen, we'll tell him that he needs to go to counseling. And if he doesn't, he'll be fired. And when they tell him this, he tells HR, like, if you fire me, I'll kill you and other people, mm -hmm. like, to their face. Uh -huh. And HR even makes him clarify, like, are you saying if we fire you, you'll harm me? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> I have so, guns, yeah. Yeah, so of course he does. But um, in real life, he stalked Laura for years. Uh, the, 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 the film truncates a lot of things, so it just seems kind of very brief that this all happens. But he ends up getting fired getting a new job, stalking her from a distance, showing up randomly. He's able to get a new job because the reasons that they officially put for him being let go were kind of... Um, his 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 reference wasn't sullied, so he was able right. to get a new it job. It wasn't for sexual harassment, yeah. But then um, she ends up getting a, like a permanent restraining order, like date, like a like court date, and that sends Richard Rich over the edge and he goes and buys like a bunch of guns and ammunition and then just shows up to work at KEI one day at Laura's work. He no longer works there. And he shoots up the place. He's carrying all these shotguns. And the there's a man that one of the his ex-co-workers walks out and just walks out right on by like, like I shouldn't. Well, be it's the guy who he told he was going to. Yes. So we get a scene which apparently did happen in real life, but wasn't as extreme where uh, Richard was at a bar with some coworkers after he was fired. And he's asking questions like, are these doors bulletproof? Yeah. Or are, are these walls bulletproof? I'm going to come back and do something. And his co ex coworkers are like, boy, stop playing. Mm -hmm. So when his employee sees him, the one you mentioned, He's like, are you for real? But and then <laughs> Rich shoots and kills him. Um, of course, he ends up getting caught. There's a negotiator who convinces him to surrender. That negotiator. We need to talk about the negotiator. He didn't do shit. Um, Bob is going to go through my notes. I think it's funny that the opening of the film is um, Brooke Shields, Laura, with her family talking about how she got this like major job as an engineer at this big time company. And her dad is really trying to convince her not to pursue her dreams outside of the state of Virginia. Yep. <laughs> I found that really annoying. Um, when Laura has to find a roommate, she meets this lady named Marianne. Mm -hmm. And Marianne's like an artist. And we see that she paints fire escapes. She's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I just dig them. I dig fire escapes. She's like, and she, what does she say? I've sold a lot of these in my time. My time. Bitch, how old are you? In my 23 yeah. years, I've sold a lot of fire, fire escape. Fire uh, escape. Portraits. <laughs> we see Laura doing like, like she's at the like gym doing like a calisthenics class. Uh-huh. And she has on a full face. Yep. And. 
It's, in fact, most of the movie, her makeup looks kind of garish. It's very whatever happened to Baby Jane to be. It's very white. The, the her foundation's yeah. a, like a, one shade too light. And then she has like that. The placement of her blush looks like baby doll, mm-hmm. like cherub. Well, this was made for television. So I wonder if it's because. Now that we're seeing it more yeah. in high def, you're probably right. But but it, it, it really struck me when she's doing her Jane Fonda workout. It's, you know, because the film is 93. Well, it's set in the 80s. So technically, because it feels the very 80s. It's like the, we, we didn't catch up in the, 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 the 90s hadn't fully set in yet is how it feels. So Laura, Rich has been pushing up. Like every time he sees her, he's like, let's be in a relationship. Let's go on a date. Like you have to let me take you out. And she's like, no, I don't want that. And finally he goes, you know, it's going to be really hard for us to have a relationship if you keep refusing to go out with me. Yeah. And that's when you realize like, oh, he is cray cray. Yes. And that was pretty upsetting. There's a song that's playing uh, when she's doing aerobics. <laughs> One of the lyrics was something like, everybody loves you when you're feeling okay. Yeah. <laughs> what? The, the music feels very early 90s made for TV. Um, I did appreciate, though, that the film addresses why, because you initially think, well, why aren't you calling the police? Why aren't you getting someone else involved? But then we do hear Laura say, like, she's the only woman in a department of 60, like, as an engineer. Yeah. So she does not want to ruffle any feathers or cause any trouble. So I I appreciated they put that in there, because it's like, she's trying to manage this. She doesn't want to jeopardize this career. She doesn't want to jeopardize that. And she's also... uh pretty tenacious she doesn't want to be a victim no you know no, like she, so i admired that in her um you know but in in juxtaposition to laura is that damn hr lady oh Lin, that's a young linda Emond. yep who is being very like dubious towards <laughs> she seems like one of those women that's jealous really quickly yeah well, because immediately when Laura Brooke Shields character is trying to explain to the HR lady, like, this is what's happening. The HR lady look, gives her a look like, hmm, do you always smile at people that way? Like, yeah. bitch, it doesn't matter how I smile. This man is not supposed to be harassing me, okay? You, and are, I, you are a traitor to your gender, lady. And at one point, Brooke does get mad at her, like, this situation has nothing to do with me. Well, you better check your other employee. The Linda Eman's like, do you still do your aerobics class? And is he still following you? And she's like, yes. She's like, you might want to stop doing that for a while. Because, you know. Because it creates an awkward situation because, you know. You're wearing tight clothes. Your clothes. Bitch. So I can't work out in public? So you want me to look like you, like a Tetris block, because <laughs> this man, no. <laughs> then Rich is taking photos of Brooke. Like, he is... Um, he is unafraid. He's standing at the edge of her driveway. Just yeah, he's looking. not trying to hide. He's not trying. He's not, I, I, It's like you almost can't even say he's stalking her because he is just full on like in her business. But he's taking pictures of her. And at one point, he like photoshops a pic, which amounts to him cutting off her head and taping it on another portrait of so so that it looks like the two of them are a couple. And the look on Brooke's face. <laughs> She's got a very pensive, fearful yes. look. So the picture together is not but clearly he's mentally ill because he doesn't see that she's disgusted by him okay we need to talk about richard thomas Uh what did you think of him in this role he does a good job um he's very uncomfortable 
I want to get. I know people won't like this, but I Ooh. it was giving Britney Spears to me. He seemed Britney Spears. He kind of was acting and looking to me how she probably acts in private. Oh God! <laughs> Deranged and like really self centered. Like everything's happening. Everything that's happening to me is not my fault, and I'm not getting what I want. And <laughs> sure, uh, I thought he looked a little like Charles Grodin in this. Oh sure, yeah. You, you know, this is recently after his. Uh, Stephen King's It, yeah, which he's also in. I mean, he's still around. He's pretty consistent. Uh, he's Laura Linney's dad in o- the Ozark series as well. I forgot about that. So Brooke and her roommate, Marianne, end up moving to a place because uh, Rich finds out where she lives, and they move to a place with like much better security. And then Rich breaks into her office digs through her trash digs through because a plot point that they make more than once in the film is that because she the company she works for is a contractor for the federal government so they like their security clearance is a big deal and they keep talking about how she needs her level five security clearance or whatever Uh so she has her application in her desk so when richard breaks in he has access to all of her business all her family's business so he um then threatens her with that information, which is really creepy. But when he's digging through her trash, he sees like a tissue that she used to blot her lipstick. Uh-huh. And he's clutching to it like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just all so creepy. Which reminded me of uh, Isabelle Huppert sniffing the <laughs> semen sno- uh, soaked Kleenex in Piano Teacher. Oh my! I don't even remember that. Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> but do you? But do you recall Laura's application and her handwriting? Yes. I thought she had handwriting like a seventh grade girl. Yes. <laughs> How are you, a grown ass female engineer, and you're writing? It almost looked like if if we had more time with that application, we would see she dots her eyes with a little heart. <laughs> Um, the therapy they send Rich's care or Rich to is called Project Concern. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay, there's a scene where Laura is at a bar with her co workers and she goes into the women's restroom to like powder her nose, and Rich like runs in there and like attacks her, not physically, but he's threatening her, like, he is very. He's bold. The, that That's the word. And it's scary because he is being so bold and all the warning signs are there and there's still nothing anyone can do. The, he's still supported by the culture. Like yeah. the, his behaviors are sanctioned as, as a kind of normal and that's how boys act kind of bullshit. This is why these laws are important because this man, according to this movie, was acting. He was living out loud. Yep. And but, I mean, there was nothing she felt she could do. Which is crazy. She had to move to a, a place with higher security, yeah. which was kind of funny because it doesn't seem like all that much. But no, it's just like two two wrought iron gates. So then Laura starts dating this guy named Sam, and they're at a restaurant one day, and he's t- t- telling her like, "Oh, you know, you should get a restraining order." Blah blah blah. She's like, "Well, he hasn't really contacted me in a while," and blah blah blah. And all of a sudden, Rich shows up at the restaurant. And Sam gets up like he was going to do something. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And then we cut to a scene where Sam's trying to give Brooke Laura a handgun, telling her that 
no jury would ever convict her of killing him on her own property. And, mm -hmm. But yeah, I was like, doesn't she need a permit for that gun? And yeah, she needs to. I don't know if this is the best. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so when Rich shows up at KEI, you already alluded to the first person who walks past him, but everything is happening almost like in slow motion, uh -huh. which I thought was really creepy. And the look on his face, it's just very upsetting. Yeah, he looks like he's having a good time. Then Laura's boss, um, the actor who played Moesha's dad. Moesha. He, the, like, there's an active shooter in the building. People have been shot and killed. Police are everywhere. And his black ass shows up. And what and what does he do? Run into the building. He runs into <laughs> the building and there's a man, you know, it, it's... It seems like it's being he's being heroic. He drags this bleeding man into a bathroom and then hides there, but what and then ends up getting shot. Why why don't you try to why, leave? Yeah, why would you run just back snatch in there? him up and try to go? <laughs> but a funny moment before that even happens is the cops are telling like the one lead in detective is like, Don't let him go in there. So he's telling the other cops, stop that man. And the effort the one cop made to stop him was minimal. Oh, and it's yeah. funny when you watch it because he kind of like taps him on the shoulder yeah. like, hey, excuse me. <laughs> You're walking into a war zone. <laughs> they barely try to stop him. Uh, so when Rich gets into the building and he starts shooting and killing people, he does find Laura and he shoots her in the shoulder. And then he lets her go. You brought up a good point. I wonder if he thought she was dead. But then I don't think so because... In the end, he's asking, is she alive? Because I want her to live. He wants her to regret. So she can regret what she made him do. But after he walks away and leaves her there injured, what does she do? She gets up and wanders the halls while this active shooting is going on. Like, could she not hear the gunfire? That was kind of frustrating. Yeah, it's frustrating because she didn't. It's like, you know where the stairwell is and you can hear where the gunshots are at one point. Like, get out. Then we meet the negotiator who I thought was giving like Ricardo Montalban, but <laughs> who's not very good at his job. No. But um, when Laura, so the phone line they had established to talk, you know, Rich to the negotiator, Laura gets on that line. I don't know how, it just seems like it's the main line to the building. He, at first he starts yelling at her, like, get off this line. I need this line clear. She goes, I will not get off this line. I've been shot. Yeah. She's very assertive, <laughs> which I like. And then when he realizes it's her, he calms down. But um, after she, she's on the phone with the negotiator and she's like, I think my lung was pierced. I'm having a hard time breathing. And then she faints. But then she, like, she suddenly revived. But um, she sees like a can of cola, like generic Coca-Cola. And she takes a swig and that seems to revive her. I thought that was funny. <laughs> like that was probably backwash girl. But, but um, yeah, you already alluded to this, but the line that Rich says, he says she can't regret it if she doesn't live. So he seems pretty preoccupied with knowing if Laura made it. Um, and then the negotiator who I don't think was very good at his job is telling Rich like, because Rich is saying, I'm going to kill myself. I Like, I'm going to die today. I'm not going to jail. And the negotiator tells Rich that if he goes to jail, he can teach computers in there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's a selling point, but And okay. then he goes, yeah, I could teach computers in there. <laughs> what? And then Rich is like, I need a drink. I want like a big old quart-sized cup of 
Diet Cola with a bunch of ice and a number 26 from Togo's, which is like the ham turkey and cheese sandwich. And he says it like three times. Mm -hmm. So I want, now I want that sandwich from Togo's. That's morbid, but all right. Well, because they, I mean, they really make a big deal out of this sandwich. Uh, but yeah, so he ends up surrendering pretty easily. And then we see that he gets convicted, um, you know, life, like on death row. Um, the anti-stalking law is enacted in California first. And then I was reading a little bit of trivia, uh, and I thought it was interesting that during the several years that Richard was stalking Laura, he had a girlfriend. Oh, my God. And that lady says she didn't know anything about him stalking anybody. So he kept so he kept it clean. And then when Rich went to trial, he said that he never intended to kill anyone. He actually went to the building uh, with the intention of committing suicide in front of Laura so she would know what she did to him, which I find hard to believe. Because then why did you buy like why do you buy thousands of rounds of ammunition? Yeah. Ammunition. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what would you give this movie? Like two and a half. I would give it two and a half. I mean, it's hard. It's, it. I feel weird because it's like it's not really that fun. Like a lot of TV movies from that era are, but then the subject matter is not fun either. Well, no, and especially considering how things have progressed and changed and yeah. this is just happening, you know, every other day. And I know I referenced the Casey Anthony or um, with uh, Dean Kane. That's Scott Peterson. Or I'm sorry, not Kay the Scott Peterson movie. That That's what I meant to mention. The one with Dean Kane. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that was a funny story. It, it's just that it's so crazy. Yeah. So like watching it, we were like, oh my God, like I can't believe this movie is more serious and upsetting but um yeah and i like brook shields yeah you know yeah uh, I, I this might be a short one because it's been a long day for both of us yeah and we're glad you're back hours and, and we need to eat dinner yes. but we didn't want to not have a podcast this week oh yes uh what do we do we do we have any screenings next week yeah so we have far? a screening tomorrow what is it dumb money oh Mm -hmm. okay and then i might catch up with haunting in venice because that opens this week mm. and then we have some screeners all right is there anything else you'd like to say no not at the moment ta-ta <laughs>